Hey everyone, welcome to the Compass Podcast. I am Whit Gibbs, and on today's show, I'm joined by Will Foxley and Zach Bull. This is going to be a great conversation. We have got quite a lot to discuss, and uh, potentially a big announcement. And I, I don't know this could this could be a good one. So we will get to the show in just a second. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you do, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your preferred listening platform. It really helps out the show. The Compass Podcast is presented commercial-free by Compass, the number one Bitcoin mining marketplace. If you want to get started mining Bitcoin, source hard-to-find ASICs, or find competitively priced hosting space, then check Compass out at compassmining.io. And now, on to the show. Will, Zach, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having us. So guys, uh, why don't we start off with some introductions for who, people who may not know who you are. I know most people know Zach as uh, a Twitter <laughs> troll. Uh, <no. laughs> More than that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, I do do things besides tweets sometimes. Um, well, I guess I started out in the crypto space um, working with Masari, um, a, a data uh, industry like general data company um, out of New York. And after Masari, I spent some time at um, Blockstream, um, sort of a, a stalwart uh, Bitcoin um, tech company doing a bunch of interesting things. Um, and then meandered over to Coindesk um, to sort of uh, just write about uh, a bunch of things that I was observing and I wanted to contribute sort of my voice and um, whatever analytical skills uh, I have to to sort of help wider audiences understand what was going on. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the the quick and dirty of what I've done and where I've been, and along the way, uh, lots of lots of trolling on Twitter to be sure. How about you, Will? So yeah, I got my start in crypto from Zach. Uh, we just have like a long friendship going back, uh, and I started writing for American Spectator, which is like a conservative magazine of sorts out of dc and i was like working as an intern for them and then started doing freelance for a while and i started writing about bitcoin for them because uh, as much as republicans like to say they're libertarian they uh just don't seem to understand decentralization or emerging tech and like why bitcoin matters and so i was trying to feed that to the audience that uh the the grifters there did not care at all i got some mean comments back but uh i meandered over to coindesk after college uh just one of my my first crypto job there <clears throat> and then just like worked at the news desk and kind of moved my way up to covering mostly ethereum over the last year uh which definitely been interesting uh ethereum and coindesk those two tribes definitely have not gone along over the years uh and then i kind of came into the space from like an a Bitcoin background mostly. So that was kind of a fun transformation. But I think Ethereum is really awesome. It's it's very interesting, uh, really complex. Uh, I don't know if it's going to work out or not, but I think it's cool to to read about nonetheless. So that's that's how I got into the space. That was a nice hedge, Will. And I don't know if it's <laughs> I always got a hedge, but they come from my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to learn. Like, so let's talk more about that dynamic between Coindesk and Ethereum. So oh, no. is it a love-hate relationship? Okay, so I think there's there's that principle, I forget the name of it, where it's like, don't attribute to malice what is just incompetence. And I don't want to say it has been incompetence in the past, but it has been like, there hasn't necessarily always been 
the ability from a newsroom standpoint to put in the time and the resources into understanding something as complex as Ethereum. And that was very true in earlier days at Coindesk when, you know, you're you're one of the only firms out there covering crypto and you only have so many resources to be able to cover this emerging market and necessarily something slip under the table. So these Ethereum people are always like, oh, Coindesk sucks at covering Ethereum. Well, no, it's like Ethereum's really complex and uh, a journalist doesn't have all the time in the world to be reading up on what the DAG is or uh, why this random EIP uh, you just wrote up is your is the best thing on earth. Uh, but lately, as there's been more money in crypto media and we've been able to get more editors and reporters in, there's been time for reporters to specialize. Uh, and so like I've been a beneficiary of that lately where I've just had a lot of time to go read about Ethereum or talk with people who are building Ethereum as opposed to earlier journalists who just didn't have that. So there's definitely a beef and there's definitely a history there. But I think it's softened as people have begun to understand that it's really hard to do crypto media and it's hard to do it well. Well, that's why I sort of just stick to writing about Bitcoin. Everyone knows <laughs> Bitcoin is, is boring and, and never changes and is has lost its edge. Uh, so I, I don't have to worry about all the complexities of something as intricate and constantly changing like Ethereum. So not jealous at all there. I mean, no one can see this right now because it's a podcast, but Zach actually has an NFT hanging on the wall right behind him. <laughs> <laughs> fake, fake news. <laughs> the, I mean, the, the Bitcoin versus ETH debate uh, or uh, whatever, whatever you want to call that, I think is, it's always funny to just be a fly on the wall and watch it. Um, you know, I'd like to think that a lot of people get into the space just as profit maximalists, right? They're not really in one camp or the other. They're just looking at crypto as a whole as a way that they can, you know, move out of mom's basement, as the cliche (laughs) would say. Um, And then at some point in time, you like pick a side and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the political parties, right? You're, Mm -hmm. you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. You just pick a side and like, that's just it. There's no other way to it. I don't. I don't want to like uh, get on a soapbox too much, but I like. I will say that I'm, I can be pretty provocative and, and trolly on Twitter about this, especially. But like my behind the scenes, like my general philosophy, um, which was actually heavily informed early on by a couple Andreas Antonopoulos videos, um, was uh, despite sort of what hardcore Bitcoin and hardcore Ethereum marketers want you to believe like they, they do very different things. Um, and it's really, there really is no Bitcoin versus Ethereum unless you're just reading Twitter, but in the real world, um, it's, it's just not the case. Bitcoin and Ethereum do very different things. And I, like I care very significantly from, from a profit perspective, but also just from an ideological perspective about Bitcoin. And by the same token, I, like I, I don't really care about Ethereum too much. Like, yes, I like poking and prodding people on um, Twitter, but uh, like when when other Bitcoiners ask me, like, "Well, don't you just like hate Ethereum?" I'm like, "No, like not really." Like, I mean, I, I wish them the best. I hope they build cool stuff, but it's not like what I care about. Um, and I I wish like not that I'm sort of right. Maybe I think I'm right having that opinion, but I I wish sort of more people shared that opinion where like. Ethereum can build something really cool. Bitcoin can build something and has built something really cool. Personally, I 
just care about Bitcoin. I don't really care about Ethereum. Um, so yeah, no hate from me there. Uh, just some Twitter uh, provoking every now and then. Zach will think he is right. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think you're spot on there. Like I, I kind of just really quick, my two cents is like, I kind of think of Ethereum as a crypto economic system backed by an asset and then Bitcoin as sound money. So that's how I've mostly approached it. And that's why it's like, it's interesting to me. And I also kind of think of it from like a startup perspective, like Ethereum's still tiny and I don't think there's anything wrong with being enamored with an idea. And then if the idea doesn't work out, like that doesn't say anything about you personally. It's just an idea. Yeah. I mean, look, I am of the belief that it's all good for the ecosystem. You know, anything that attracts people to the space. I mean, just the way that it tends to work is they find their way to Bitcoin eventually anyway. So even if it's an NFT or some other, you know, scammy ICO that can potentially get them into the space, uh, they tend to gravitate towards uh, towards Bitcoin given enough time Uh, because the store value is real, right? If you're trading or you're looking to get involved with ETH or Polkadot or any of these other tokens, eventually... You know, you, you want that sound money. You want to find your way into Bitcoin, but not to go too far down that rabbit hole. That's a, a different <laughs> yeah, topic for another conversation. <laughs> I want to know about the state of media right now. I mean, you guys obviously work at the biggest of the crypto media companies, selective word, word choice there on my part, but uh, <laughs> what, I mean, what's it like, like on the, on the daily when you guys are, are going about your business and looking to find stories or figure out what to release or what is that process like for you guys? When I started out in crypto, um, and then even before that, when I was doing other stuff, working in, in law and policy circles in DC, uh, I was an analyst. Um, and that sort of informed my preferences and the work style. The, the brief stint I have uh, spent in uh, I, what you might call proper journalism, I guess. Um, so a lot of my stuff is data-driven, and there's so much data um, in crypto uh, in like any market, but especially the crypto market, um, to, to dig into and create stories out of, um, and a lot of it is sort of overlooked or misunderstood or, or often misrepresented, um, especially about mining. Um, and that's, yeah, that's sort of my forte. Um, there's (laughs) everyone in, in crypto is, um, sort of very media thirsty in terms of wanting attention and putting out press releases. Um, and my personal style is just sort of to, to lean into the data more than just like every press release that gets thrown at you um, <laughs> saves you a lot of headaches and uh, can inform inform much better stories. Um, but yeah, the, the state of media is, is in crypto is is changing uh, very quickly. Um, and some of the stuff Will said about there being very limited time to cover a ton of rapidly changing, very complex things um, definitely creates some some pain points. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of pain points. And like, that's just part of being in media. I think you have to have a pretty thick skin. Uh, you have, or at least you got to develop it pretty quickly. Like you're going to make mistakes and you have to be able to roll with the punches. Uh, I think like my day-to-day with Coindesk is a lot of just somewhat informed by data, but I kind of like more of the narrative, like following uh, following what people are talking about and digging into to chats with with contacts. I think a lot of media nowadays a lot of crypto media is just driven by like Twitter. So like someone tweets something and then someone makes an article about it. And that's my least favorite type of journalism. Like I wouldn't even consider that journalism. It's just an easy way to get an article out. My best pieces and the pieces I'm most proud of have been 
conversations with contacts and really uh, putting my feet on the ground to find stories and like uncover them. Uh, Because there are people in the space who want to talk to crypto media and want to get stories out uh, no matter how mean the peanut gallery is or it's point desk or the block or whoever uh, people do like the chat and people have like an interest in um, getting good stories out there for profit or just uh, for integrity. So I, I mean, Zach's, I like Zach's style of kind of bringing a lot of data and I've been trying to pair a little bit of my stories with that more. So over the, the last year that we've worked together, uh, but most of my Ethereum coverage and DeFi coverage especially has just been driven by like endless conversations with degenerates on discord. Uh, I do like do wanna, like, journal, journalism, huh? Like, like actual yeah, journalism. journalism. It's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Tom Wolf, you can't sit on like the street corner anymore and wear a nice suit, but uh, I want to, um, Will said something really interesting that, uh, about just sort of, I mean, it's no secret. If you read Twitter, you see, um, like tons of, uh are we allowed to curse on this podcast actually i don't know <laughs> yes okay. yes absolutely <laughs> tons of shit thrown the way of uh coindesk and the block and stuff um but i can't i don't know uh the blocks sort of analytics but i can speak for coindesk um and it's interesting like just how like how little twitter really matters like in terms of traffic and sort of the views and uh audience size like, like, obviously, it's an important resource, very important resource. It's just sort it's like a sort of like a public hall where everyone congregates mm-hmm. and tosses around ideas and um, chats and all sorts of stuff. But like, in the grand scheme of things, like Coindesk, Coindesk has like a million Twitter followers now or something like they could lose all of that and probably uh, live a better life for not reading all of the shit <laughs> that gets thrown their way there and, and still have like tens of millions of views every single month uh for all their articles so it's just i'm I'm like and my guess is sort of like the block has a similar although to a smaller scale a similar sort of dynamic where twitter is maybe a a necessary evil or a necessary source of regular headaches but it's it's not as necessary as maybe it it seems when you're reading through like 15 anon accounts that are telling you like how do you have a job you suck all this stuff it's like well we don't i don't need you for people to read my content um so yeah it's just an interesting dynamic there that uh people can can forget about you know the thing with twitter now that happens and i've caught it's, it's happened to me a couple of times and it, it immediately makes me feel like a dumbass is i'll like and then go to retweet something and now if let's say there's an article embedded that you're retweeting it'll pop up and say, Oh, you're going to retweet this. Do you want to read it first? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, I don't. That's hit me a couple of times. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I probably should, you know? Um, <laughs> but it's, it's true though. You know, you put a tweet out on, yeah. and, and the engagement that you're looking for is that click through to the article. But yeah. in reality, the, the engagement that you tend to get is the like and the retweet or the hate, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. But I mean, Coindesk now having tens of millions of page views a month, it just, it sounds insane, right? Like that's a lot. I mean, that that puts it up there with some of the most read content on the internet. Yeah. I think it's wealth and financial publications right now is what I saw. Just pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, It's pretty nuts. And that's like, uh, that's a testimony to every single person who's worked at Coindesk over the years because I think Coindesk has even gone defunct at one point, like 2015 before DCG came in and 
uh, set it back on its on its legs. But there's been a long history of people working their ass off at CoinDesk to make sure that the story of crypto is being told, and it's it's still happening right now at CoinDesk. And, uh, there's still the the place to go, like the first base first page of the internet for crypto. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what's what's crazy is um sort of bridging this topic with like the growth in crypto media to what we were just talking about a couple minutes ago with sort of how how difficult it can be to cover sometimes like um it's it's no joke that like some of the crazy talents Coindesk has and has recently brought on um from like Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal and other like mainstream publications as well as like some very like deeply embedded crypto nerds who understand the space very well that sort of hybrid um despite all of that talent like people still sort of i mean like things get reported incorrectly and or sort of misunderstood or whatnot um and i think like yes people love to like it's sort of popular to just shit on journalism across the board whether in crypto or outside of crypto now but like coindesk has the best talents in the industry covering crypto and it's still not perfect sometimes um which just speaks to like it's it's a it's a tough job um and it's easy to sort of throw rocks uh or boo from the sidelines but um when you have sort of like the best talent covering it and mistakes still happen like you you just kind of have to roll with the punches and realize um the best you can do is the best you can do so well, i mean like right now you've got I mean, the, the crypto news cycle is incredibly short, you know, like the, the length for which your, your information is viable is like a, it, it's, a, it's a nothing over the course of the day, right? There's so much that's happening each and every day and everything that's happening seems to be like incredibly complex. So to be able to, to like dumb it down for lack of a better way of putting it so that, so that it's digestible for the majority of readers is, I mean, it's got to come with errors. Like there's, you're going to get explanations wrong. You're going to make analogies that, you know, piss people off because I mean, you're, you're trying to make it approachable for people who generally know nothing about the space. Yeah. yeah. I think that's spot on. Like, uh, I, I write a lot about ETH too, which is everyone's favorite topic to shit on. And I think that's pretty fair, <laughs> uh, but it's so complex and so hard to like write about accurately time and time again and even when there's like short stories about a new financial product launched based on eth2 like the crowd that is reading that story is not a crowd that's going to understand eth2 or even cares about it so how do you like put that together into a story is very complex and i think for me the best thing has just been to talk talking to like normies who just don't care about crypto too much maybe they just like own a little bitcoin for fun uh but just like talking to them about what they're interested in as really informed the way I write and helped me to, to kind of make things more palatable. So yeah, I think to, to Zach's point, it's like, it's hard to do both. It's hard to write accurately and approachably. Well, guys, I know that you're both covering mining to an extent um, and, and the markets as a whole. When you're looking now at, I mean, this, it, it's, it seems like there's just been a crazy rush to mining in general, whether it's mining Bitcoin, mining ETH. It's incredibly profitable right now. I know that Leo Zhang and his, you know, one of his recent research reports talked about this being like a golden era for Bitcoin mining because the profitability is ridiculous. And obviously with ETH, the transaction fees and all that plays into 
you know, the back end, it's, it's been crazy profitable to mine ETH as well, you know? So that's naturally going to bring a lot of eyeballs and a lot of people who want to get involved in some way, shape or form. How has this bull market kind of changed uh, where your focus is? This bull market more than any other for crypto, um, the dynamics of sort of how anyone budgets their attention or spends their bandwidth has changed completely. What I mean by that is before now, you can pretty you could pretty much get away across the board with being like a crypto generalist where you know a little bit about mining, you know a little bit about scaling technologies like liquid or lightning, you know a little bit about core development, you know a little bit about market structure like BitMEX and Coinbase and and you you have all your bases covered. But that's not the case anymore. Uh, you if like you can be sort of like an observer and maybe hold a little Bitcoin and just be content with, I'm not going to know sort of a, a lot about everything or a lot about any particular thing. Um, but if you're actually working in the space, you sort of have to pick a concentration now and, and go all in on that. Um, and for me personally, in the past year and a half or so has been a journey of sort of realizing that and also picking like, where do I want to be um, in this space now that I sort of, I can't just be a generalist anymore um, and know a little bit about everything and be covered. I have to pick. And I've ended up sort of with mining through some Redding at Coindesk and other things as uh, where I, I want to be. Um, and it's cool to see so much attention being paid to this that sector in this space through sort of the crazy performance of, of mining company, publicly traded mining companies, the, the craziness around sort of supply constraints in terms of ASICs and up the supply chain there through manufacturing and to foundries and all sorts of stuff. And like you said, the, the crazy profitability of how like Bitcoin and Ether miners are just sort of enjoying a massive windfall. I mean, they deserve it after sort of the last pair market, uh, obviously, but it's just crazy. And it's, it's crazy and cool to see attention being paid to it. It's, it's kind of like strange in my mind. Um, and maybe this is just sort of the product of privilege from understanding mining a little bit deeper than most people, but mining still has like this cloak of uh, sort of like spookiness or obfuscation. Everyone thinks like mining is like this weird mystery part of the space. Um, and so like everyone is like obsessed with read, like mining stories on Coindesk, like by and large do very, very well just because everyone wants to read like about mining and wants like a little peek behind the curtain. To be clear, I don't think there really is a curtain, but in most people's minds, there is like around mining. But uh, it's cool to see people so interested in mining now uh, more than most areas or most other uh, market cycles. And uh, it's a fun, fun space to sort of dive into and, and specialize in. Yeah, wait, that's a that's a great question. So I'm kind of a media dork. Like I love I love how media works. I think it's really interesting. I think uh, how you can monetize people's attention. It's just fascinating. And I, I think people hate that, like that that exists, but it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, and so uh, these conversations about like how to cover markets well always fascinate me a lot. And one conversation I had with Brady Dale, who covers DeFi at Coindesk and a lot of other base layer applications, uh, him and I like chat about like, what's the best way to cover these applications given that the market is huge. There's a million projects out there. They're all extremely mm -hmm. well-funded. They can all tell you that their idea is going to blow everyone else out of the water. How do you do that well? And I think the, the approach I kind of settled on, and him and I, Brady and I kind of disagree a little bit on it. Uh, and he's probably right because uh, he's a little more uh, <laughs> mature and wise than me, but whatever. Uh, the, the approach I've taken is like, you need to have some data insights so, uh, you know, looking at your charts or whatnot, um, 
And then you need to also be talking with people uh, about the applications as much as you can, particularly off the record and seeing what people actually think about things, talking with technologists. So that's changed a lot since December when we or November when we really saw the price of Bitcoin just kind of skyrocket and then Ether and all these other coins follow suit is yep. I th- I think the the emphasis moved more to the data side at that point. Uh so one thing that Zach and I were tracking for a long time was gas fees on Ethereum just like shot up so much. So that necessarily moved the story away from all these uh food token projects on DeFi that were just like extremely scammy to more realistic projects that had thought out about their long-term goals because it just became too expensive to operate on Ethereum or any other chain. And so that was that was an interesting thing to see the market move. And so us as journalists and content creators had to change how we approached our final product because of it. And so I started writing a lot more about data and charts, digging into mining more, uh, and writing less about startups and uh, really like wonky out there applications. So, I mean, I, I guess we should just put it out there. Um, <laughs> it's this, this show will release sometime at the beginning of April. Uh, right now it's end of March. Uh, but very soon there will be an official announcement coming out that Zach and Will have both joined the Compass team. So writing about mining, writing about startups, writing about the market, and now joining our humble little squad. So why don't we talk about that a little bit? Let's talk about yeah. you know what you guys are going to be doing at Compass and kind of what your what your plans are. Yeah, I'm excited. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I well, sort of like I just said, uh, mining is is where I want to is sort of where I want to to focus on personally and sort of in my my crypto career. And there's, I mean, there's no better place to do it than Encompass, in my opinion. Um, you sort of undersold it a, a lot there with like a humble, a humble team. <laughs> and definitely not because Will and I are joining, but I mean, just. <laughs> me personally uh like sort of so two steps back like writing at coindesk i obviously get to see the whole industry and changes and companies and all that just the the talent that compass has attracted not including myself i'm just just like from mining companies across the industry and and so forth is just is is incredible like all-star all-star team uh from the get-go and it's like I'm thrilled to sort of join that team um, and write more about mining. Um, I think, uh, well, I don't think I know. The goal is uh, to sort of create uh, high-powered, heavy-hitting content and research about mining uh, through Compass. Um, I think there's uh, sort of one way to do uh, crypto content well, and that's to sort of hunker down and specialize and focus all of your energies on one particular thing. And through Compass, obviously, that's mining, and that that's our plan. Um, when you're when you're sort of uh, a journalist covering a bunch of different things, it's it's hard, mo- mostly impossible, to sort of give it the treatment that it needs sometimes. Um, and that's not at all a knock on sort of journalism. Um, it's just a dynamic of of that of that type of work um and so through compass we're hoping not to we're not sort of becoming journalists but we're we're giving it uh we're giving mining sort of the um the the in-depth treatment that we think it deserves um and want to want to feed the industry in-depth research and content and uh give everyone a better understanding of of this crazy crazy profitable um 
crazy, sometimes drama filled space that is uh, mining. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm pumped. Yeah. You can tell Zach always wanted to be a lawyer because he always sounds like a statesman when he's, he's giving his pitch. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm, I'm pumped. Like I can't express that enough. Like this this, uh, is exactly what I like to do. Like I love media. I think media is fascinating and I love looking at the cutting edge parts of the industry of, of crypto specifically like and mining is there. And I think people don't understand it. Like going back to Zach's point earlier, people just think there's like this curtain with mining and it doesn't really exist. There's definitely some topics that people don't understand or bleeding edge and need to be covered uh, more in depth. There needs to be a lot more research around mining and, and how it works, but there's a story to be told about mining and there's a there's a, a very large narrative that needs to be put forward about how it works because mining is the settlement of transactions and the, all the market is just people swapping value back and forth and mining is where all that value comes to, comes to live. Uh, so I'm excited just to put that story together with Zach and uh, see what we, we cook up with the rest of the Compass team. Uh, like I said earlier, like I'm very online chatting with people all the time and Every single person I talked to about Compass was just like, Compass, like you're going to go work for them. Like I'm very jealous of that. And it's, uh, it was a pretty great feeling just to hear that and, and see like the enthusiasm from other people in the space around Compass and like the talent that's been acquired um, just by this startup that's focused on Bitcoin mining and proof of work mining. Yeah, there will well, be a cool. I'm pumped now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm also like a, l- a little bit more detail or a little bit more color, I guess. Um, the cool thing, so like we mentioned towards the beginning of this show, Will and I have been friends for a while and uh, sort of have uh, we're ended up at CoinDesk together for a bit. But what's cool about the two of us coming over to Compass is like Bitcoin is Bitcoin is my focus, like personally, ideologically, financially. It's it's just like pretty much the only thing I care about. And Will is very in the weeds of Ether mining and Ethereum development and all of that. And the two of us sort of functioning as maybe like a yin and yang for Bitcoin and Ether mining sort of uh, dynamic at Compass gets me even more floored. Like we're going to produce some some awesome content to feed both of those audiences. And I know some people in the Ether community like really hate me just from Twitter trolling, but they can go <laughs> read Will's, they can go read Will's research. Um, but uh, <laughs> jokes aside, it'll be, it'll be great sort of working between the two of us to cover both of those uh, very important parts of the industry. Because um, I mean, like whatever you think about Ethereum, there's tons of money in ether mining also. Um, it's it's a very important part of the industry and I'm pumped to have Will's talents cover that. I'm pumped to dig into Bitcoin mining um, at a much deeper level. Um, it'll be it'll be great. Well, and I mean, you know, let's let's be real here. The the majority of the Compass founding team started off mining ether or shitcoins, right? Like <laughs> that's that's how we got into mining. I mean, we only yeah. We only transitioned to to Bitcoin uh, with Compass because, I mean, that we wanted to start mining Bitcoin. Most of us couldn't afford, you know, a million dollars to deploy into Bitcoin mining hardware, <laughs> which is what led to the idea of Compass. So here we are, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, we are firmly a Bitcoin first company, but we definitely have, uh, yeah, we've, we've got a special place in our heart for, for the other coins that make up the proof of work e- ecosystem for sure. You guys both alluded to like the the opacity of mining and how, and there's not really that curtain, but I think it's just that there's such a lack of a desire for miners to share information, right? Like, yeah, you know, if if you're sitting on cheap power in a place and you have the thought of potentially expanding one day, you don't really want to share where you're at or what you're paying because then you're going to bring your competition in, you know? Um, yeah. 
where we're able, and I'm excited to see where you guys take this, but where we're able to to really start to compile accurate data is, you know, we're, we're managing a lot of mining equipment on multiple continents at many different facilities. We have transparency into, you know, the rates of these facilities and, and what they're charging for their hosting. And uh, we get a sense for how the machines are running. And while we're never going to share customer data or expose Compass's users in any kind of way, we still will have a really good idea and an overview of what mining really looks like on a global scale. And I, I'm stoked to see what you guys do with that information. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, my brain doesn't work the way that your guys' does. So I'm excited to see how you dissect and disseminate the information that's going to be coming in for sure. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, that's that's part of what excites me about Compass, uh, like specific to Compass, the unique position they're in sort of, well, I guess we're in since we're, uh, we're on the team now. Um, Let's go. In, in terms of... <laughs> Like <laughs> sitting between two sides of the market um, and having this little this this perch sort of looking over and and having a great perspective on how mining uh, mining looks. Um, but I think you're right. Obviously, there's there's strong incentives for miners to sort of not share some some information that like is key to their profitability and mining. Uh, I think this time around, um, in large part, thanks to sort of a bunch of the activity in uh, public equity markets and the mining companies that are traded there has seen like a, a lot of just this information shared much more publicly, much more openly um, in some cases, um, which sort of makes that curtain even less uh, obstructive if, if there is a curtain at all. As I mean, we see regular earnings reports and we understand how these different mining companies are operating and um, strategizing and moving around machines and facilities and all sorts of stuff. There's just so much data now, more than ever, um, specifically in mining. And there's just a need to, to give it sort of the proper treatment that it deserves and, and present it in a way that uh, broader audiences can understand. So I'm excited for us to do that from a, a very heavy sort of research and analytical angle and also to sort of bring it up to sort of a, an occasionally an easier, maybe more like newsletter and, and bloggy style as well. Um, to have both of those dynamics presented, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think uh, my my two cents here is that mining has so many larger macro stories that need to be told, and the the ability for people to tell those stories uh, falls back on there being adequate research for them to read and to use. So, if, like for example, let's look at like gas flares and Bitcoin. That's becoming a huge thing. Like I'm out here in Colorado. And there's tons of cornfields everywhere if you just drive east an hour and you just see all these natural gas wells. Every single one of those can be a Bitcoin mining facility at some point. And I bet they will be. And that's already happening. There's companies that are doing that specializing in it. There's even companies that are doing it for Ether, which a lot of people don't know about yet, which is interesting in and of itself. There's shitcoin mining with natural gas. I love that idea. So uh, I think those larger stories need to be told, but people can't tell those stories yet because there's not research to do it. There's not analytics. There's, there's not those people who are putting their shovels on the ground to understand, um, um, understand mining. And I think that's where Compass comes in uh, with the data that we get firsthand from people who are using Compass. And then we have like this excellent staff that is just uh, custom built to produce information for others, others to build macro stories around. And Hopefully we'll have a few of those larger uh, stories out there as well. Uh, that's not, I don't think that's going to be our focus for right now, but I'm looking forward to like talking with others in the media space about how Compass can kind of uh, be the, the, the bridge between mining and uh, the normal person who's interested in Bitcoin. Yeah. So basically if you're 
if you're a journalist writing about mining um, and you have questions, talk to us. We would love to help you better understand and inform uh, whatever like small story or broader narrative you're you're writing about to to get it right for your audience. That would that'd be a lot of fun. I love this, guys. The <laughs> you know, I mean, look for for me the podcast and starting the podcast a couple of years ago was I, just, I like talking to people. I like getting to know people. I like you know having conversations like this. It's been like six months, I think, since the podcast has has been out. So to be able to kick this off, to have you guys coming on, to like really getting this content machine going again, it's something that I mean, I'm I'm stoked about. I know Thomas is stoked about it. Our whole team is looking forward to this because this is the fun part, right? Like helping people start mining Bitcoin, we enjoy that. That I mean, that's a ton of fun for us, and it's strengthening the network, and that's great. This is literally like playtime right like getting to just chop it up and have conversations for an hour it's like a it's like recess right uh and i I just i fucking love it so i'm really looking forward to to you guys officially kicking things off by the time that this is out uh, people will probably have read some of your stuff through compass already but it's going to be a really exciting remainder of 2021 and as we go into 2022 we'll see how we can just blow the fucking doors off this thing so yeah pumped guys yeah all right. Well, you know, as we start to wrap things up, what I'd love to know is, sorry, like compass shilling aside, when it comes to the next year, I mean, what about the mining space is the most exciting to you? Yeah. Um, great question. So at the top or near the top is the the maturation of mining. And it sort of happens in pace with the maturation of like the whole crypto industry itself. But mining in particular from from a couple different areas, uh, mostly just competing for already scarce resources like chips, um, and figuring out um, like long-standing uh, strains in manufacturing uh, and like ASIC supply line, basically amid sort of wildly profitable uh, periods for miners, for existing miners, um, and sort of new miners piling in, um, wanting wanting a piece of it as well. And you see this everywhere uh, with companies like Bitmain being sold out like almost through the end of the year with machines and just the market is is growing, it is experiencing some severe growing pains that signals like the growth is rapid and the pain is very real. Both those things together are exciting. Um, so yeah, it's cool to see, it's cool to see mining uh, grow and mature and sort of work through a bunch of these growing pains. Um, there will be new growing pains in the future for it. But also what could potentially make this even more interesting is um, some of our some of the listeners may be familiar with mostly just like legend, but um, some people take it very seriously that Bitcoin is in uh, sort of like a super cycle, this bull run, where like the past runs have been like very repetitive and sort of follow a similar pattern. But this time is like the game changer where we're going to hit escape velocity and start like eating the gold market cap and billionaires around the world are piling in and all this stuff. I'm, I sort of have mixed views about whether that will actually happen. Like if it does, it won't surprise me. But if it doesn't, it also won't surprise me. Anyway, if that does happen, just like the insanity that will ensue in mining specifically um, will just be absurd um, between like everyone trying to pile in and get machines and exposure to mining to sort of publicly traded mining companies going berserk and uh, just across the board, it'll be, it'll be mayhem. Um, and I mean, you already see a little bit of that, like just random companies that have absolutely nothing to do with anything related to uh, mining are, are buying 
thousands of machines, um, you see like a new announcement of this every month or every couple of weeks or something, just sort of going to the excitement people have for mining specifically and wanting exposure to it. And if like these super cycle, super market cycle theories are to be believed, then like mining is just going to be insane. So lots to look forward to as the space continues to grow and mature and and uh, get bigger from here on out. Yeah. So I just kind of reiterate a lot of what Zach is saying. Uh, specifically, like I'm enamored and super focused on minor extracted value right now, which is kind of going through a rebrand of maximal extracted value, which is this idea for Ethereum and any blockchain that can support a uh, heterogeneous type of transaction that you can bid in the block for uh, that space, you're competing against other people for that space in a block. And I think a lot of miners just don't know about this this uh, extra source of revenue and income that they can generate because of their uh, privileged position as the settler of, of a transaction. I'm ex- really excited to dig into that more. I think for the last three months, that's all I've been writing about at Coindesk, like any chance I get, uh, just writing about mining as the transaction layer, like the finality layer. There's obviously like some really interesting stories out there about like CapEx and OpEx and uh, all these companies just scrambling to get Bitcoin mining machines. And how does retail kind of get involved with this game as well? I think that's really a story uh, or really interesting. As a Colorado native, excited to bring Bitcoin mining back to the mountains here uh, and, and kind of get that off the ground. Uh, hopefully can run some new rigs up in my own place in Denver here soon. That would be pretty sick. Uh, yeah, so it's just there's a long story of North American mining that needs to be told. Uh, looking forward to doing some more research on that, and then uh, kind of what Zach is saying, like there's a there's possibly a geopolitical story to be told in the near future about Bitcoin mining, uh, specifically as all these companies and people with deep pockets are trying to get into uh, the future of money. That's a great place to end it, guys. Thank you so much for joining me for the show, Will and Zach. It's going to be awesome to uh, to work alongside you guys. And to the listeners of the Compass Podcast, we'll talk to you guys all again very soon. That's a wrap for us at the Compass Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe and consider leaving us a five-star review on your preferred listening platform. Thanks again, everyone. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on the Compass Podcast are their own and do not represent the opinions of Compass Mining, Inc. None of this content should be considered financial advice.